good to see you. Uh, I have a word for you this morning. You'll be pleased to hear that. God's already told us that he's brought us here to show us things that will take our breath away. He's told us that he loves us. He's told us that he's answering the desires of our heart and he's fulfilling his promises. Isn't he so good? Isn't he so, so good? The word I have for you today is a word that the Lord's been speaking to me for the last uh, probably four to six weeks, I suppose, specifically. Um, And so I'm not ashamed to say it's a word that I've been walking out and I'm expecting that we as a people will start walking it out and, and doing it. Um, The word is um, summed up in one simple word, which is preparedness. Preparedness. It's a word I, to be honest, I haven't used very much in my life, um, preparedness. You might use the word prepare or preparation. But God dropped this word preparedness into my heart. And um, previously I've spoken with you and I spoke about um, caves and coming out of caves, coming out of the cave of comfortability and the cave of apathy and all this sort of thing. And I was reliably informed after the fact that comfortability isn't a word. (laughs) Um, by scholarly people, but I thought it was. Um, and God gave it to me, so that for me that counts. It's in the dictionary. But um, preparedness is in the dictionary. I've looked it up. It's definitely there. Um, I can show it to you. And the dictionary definition is a state of readiness. A state of readiness. Preparedness or alertness. And I believe that's a word of God for us. That he's calling us into a state of preparedness a state of readiness and a state of alertness because he is going to show us things that will take our breath away and he's going to fulfill his word to us. People speak about preparedness in relation to a few things. They speak about preparedness for war. So an army will be in a state of preparedness for attack or defense. Or sometimes people speak about preparedness for natural disasters. So people get together an emergency kit and they think, oh, a natural disaster might be coming. I have to be prepared. I have to be in a state of readiness But I'm not going to talk about that kind of preparedness today. Preparedness is a hot topic in the news at the moment. If you type in preparedness on BBC News, you'll get a couple of articles. Uh, The government has been talking about preparedness quite a lot recently. Um, The EU have released something called the Preparedness Paper, which sounds exciting, doesn't it? Um, And in Ireland, the finance minister said that Ireland is moving into a new phase of preparedness. It's a hot topic at the moment. Lots of people are talking about preparedness, but I believe God is going to talk to us about preparedness in a different way because those people don't really know what's happening, and so they can't prepare for something they don't understand. But we do know what's happening because God has given us his word. He's given us his word. He's given us his guarantee. And so we can be in a state of preparedness because we know what we're preparing for. Um, Preparedness is something I feel that I've only recently started to scratch the surface of because I've become a father. Uh, which is very exciting. Um, And fatherhood and parenthood, I think, teaches you a lesson in preparedness that life before children doesn't necessarily teach you. Um, you, We were walking along the River Thames after a little day trip to London, clearly, um, to sort out Theodore's um, American citizenship. And we're walking along having a really nice time. And you're taking in the sights and the smells of London and all this sort of thing. And then suddenly there was a different sight and a different smell that we weren't necessarily prepared for. And it came from our little pushchair. There was a sight and a smell that we thought, now that is not what I was expecting on a nice day trip along the Thames to be ending up changing my son in front of all these strangers, onlookers who are giving us sometimes knowing smiles and sometimes confused smiles from people who didn't have children. But being a parent means you have to learn this state of preparedness all the time, doesn't it? I'm getting lots of knowing smiles. This state of readiness, this state of alertness to think anything could happen right now. Anywhere, anytime, place, anything could happen. Um, and it teaches you this, this state of preparedness. 
that you really have to be on, on call all the time. No matter where you are, middle of Wales, by the River Thames, whatever it is, something could happen that could take your breath away. Um, but preparedness is an attribute and an attitude that I believe God wants to um, talk to us about and he wants to develop in us toward his word. Because the word of God is inevitably going to be fulfilled. When God speaks, there is an inevitable process that starts and the end is fulfillment. And the question for us is, are we prepared? Are we in a state of readiness? Are we alert to that fulfillment of his word? Are we engaged in it? Are we alert to it? So would you turn with me to the scriptures in Hebrews chapter 11, please? We're not talking about preparing for exiting a country from another group of countries. We're not talking about uh, looking after children. We're not talking about natural disasters. We're talking about the word of God which is world-changing and life-altering and kingdom-advancing. And the fulfillment of God's purposes is inevitable. So I'd like to look at a few characters in Hebrews 11. There'll be familiar verses for you, verses 7 to 11. And then we'll get started. Verse 7, by faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God himself. By faith, Sarah also herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age. She considered him faithful, who had promised. Noah, Abraham, and Sarah, heroes of the faith, for us to follow in their footsteps. And these were people who knew how to prepare for the inevitable. They knew that when God spoke to them, there was an inevitable process that started that was going to end with fulfillment. When Noah heard the word that said, rain is going to come, he didn't know what rain would smell like or what rain would sound like or what it would look like or what it would do to the earth, but he knew he had to do something. He knew he had to respond to the word. He knew he had to be in a state of readiness and preparedness for that word to come about because an inevitable process had started. God had said something and the fulfillment was bound to happen. The same with Abraham. God said to him, go out from the land you know and go into a land over there that's a land of promise for you. It's going to be a land of fruitfulness for you. And you'll become a father and you'll be a father who blesses many nations. And Abraham got up and started to walk. Because an inevitable process had happened, had started, because God had spoken and he was going to fulfill his word. And so Abraham lived in this state all the time of preparedness. He was looking for a city looking for a city, looking for a city, because he was ready in his heart to receive it. He was ready to be engaged in that process. And Sarah also, and I think Sarah is a wonderful person for us to see in Hebrews 11, because she makes it into the list of the heroes of the faith, and yet sometimes we can think, oh, Sarah, she laughed when God said it, and and she tried to achieve it in her own strength by Hagar and Ishmael, all these sort of things, but she's in here, because she believed him who was faithful to his word. 
and she received power to conceive in herself the fulfillment of the word. And I believe there's something in that for us, isn't there? That despite our weaknesses and despite the times when we might think, I'm just not strong enough, I just don't know what I'm doing. It's not about that. If God has said it, it begins an inevitable process that will be fulfilled. And all we have to do is believe in the God who said it, receive power for it to be conceived within us. And I do think there's something in that as well, that the word of God is to be conceived within us. It's not to just be something separate from us that we look at from a distance and say, oh yeah, God said something and yeah, it was fulfilled. But he wants us in the process. He wants us to be in there so that the word could come into us and be received in us and would find a home in us and a a fertile soil in us so that it would grow and grow and grow until it's ready to be conceived and birthed and come into reality. So the question is, have have we believed God? Yes, I know we have. Have we received his word? Yes, I know we have. But are we also allowing it to be conceived within us? Like the seed that's planted in good soil, in soil of readiness, in soil of preparedness, that's got all the nutrients necessary so that that word could grow and grow and grow to fulfillment. Because it's inevitable. The question is, at what point on the process do we engage with it? Because he wants us in the process. God isn't umming and ahhing about his word thinking, I've said it, Mm, we'll see what happens. We'll just see how they react. We'll see what goes on. No, he's going to fulfill his word. He's guaranteed it. When God said that he's given us the city and the regions beyond, it's guaranteed. It's rubber stamped. It's done. It's just whether we engage in the process or not. Because God said to Moses, there were these people, but they're rebelling against me. I'm willing to fulfill my purpose in you. I'm willing to to put them aside and to make a nation out of you to fulfill my purpose. Because there was an inevitable thing that had started. God had spoken, and he was going to fulfill it. But Moses said, no, Lord, use us. Use these people as well. Engage us in the process. They'll be ready. And it's humbling, isn't it, to think that God is so, so committed to fulfilling his word that there is a chance to miss out. But we don't want to, do we? Because he's spoken to us his word. He's made us his people. He's called us his treasured possession. He's told us he loves us. He's told us that he's good to us and he's going to show us things that will take our breath away. And he's going to fulfill the desires of our hearts because we're ready, aren't we? We're prepared. We're a people in a state of readiness and preparedness for his word. These heroes of the faith knew what it meant to anticipate the fulfillment of God's promises. They knew what it meant to position themselves in the right place for God to do the work. They knew what it meant to start putting wood on top of each other to build an ark when God had said it's going to rain and they didn't know what it would look like. So when God said he's given us a city in the regions beyond, we know the result. And we might not know what the ark will look like or what rain will look like, but we can say, we're ready, Lord. We're ready. We've believed the word. We've received power. And we're allowing that word to be conceived within us for it to be birthed. Let's look at some other scriptures in Matthew 25. Talking about preparing for the inevitable, Renee was uh, eight days overdue with Theodore. You get given a due date, and uh, we were eight days overdue. And for those of you who've ever been overdue with a child, you'll know that at that particular time in life, people think that's a helpful time to come and give you advice, um, to come and tell you, oh, if you do this thing, if you do this one thing, I promise you, your child will be born the next day. It's guaranteed. I've, I, honestly, with me, it worked. We ate pineapple, and then the d- next day, the baby was born. People come up to you with all this kind of advice. People say, oh, eat curries, make sure it's really, really spicy. Now, Renee doesn't really like spicy curries, so we just thought, well, if we have a curry, surely that counts. So, a korma for her. Um, 
I don't know why I had a lambooner, I guess. I don't know. Um, didn't work. Day one, didn't work. Um, pineapple, that was a big one. Quite a few people said pineapple at work, and I thought, that's surely not. Is it any citrus fruit, or is it just pineapple? So I went and bought pineapple. Again, not my favorite thing in the world. I don't mind it. I'll eat it if it's there, but it's not something I would normally buy. But you think, well, we're overdue. So let's go and buy some pineapples. Didn't work. Didn't work. Uh, we're thinking, well, you know, come on, surely something's going to work. Walk up steps, walk down steps, walk really far, walk short distances with a particular rhythm. You think, it just doesn't work. <laughs> um, because people are trying to give you advice about something that's inevitable. We, we got pregnant. She'd been pregnant for a long time. It was inevitable that the baby was going to be born. There was a baby inside. It was coming out. No matter what we did, no matter what we ate, no matter what we said, no matter what exercises we did, it was coming out. And so you've just got to, you're just prepared for the inevitable. There's no point trying to induce it and think, oh, I'll just make it faster, faster. You think the same with God's word. We're not trying to induce God's word to, to, to come. Oh, Lord, if I just go to more meetings, Lord, if I just read your word really, really quickly, surely it's going to be fulfilled. No, it's just preparing for the inevitable. It's just putting ourselves in the position where God has birthed something in us that is inevitably going to be born. So let's look at what Jesus says about it in Matthew 25. This is a parable, uh, a parable of the ten virgins or the ten bridesmaids. It gives rise to an old um, song. I'm not going to sing it. Give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning. Um, but Matthew 25, let's read the first 13 verses together. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. Thank you, Jesus, that you've become for us wisdom. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, Go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast. And the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. And then I'd just like to read to you from Luke 12, verse 35. 37. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. Awesome scriptures. And admittedly, they speak predominantly about Jesus' second coming, which is the ultimate preparing for the inevitable, isn't it? Jesus said he's coming again. That began an inevitable process that will be fulfilled. And so Jesus is instructing his disciples about how to be prepared for the inevitable. He gives them this example of the five wise bridesmaids and the five foolish bridesmaids. And there's quite stark contrasts between the two, aren't there? They may have been dressed the same. They may have been called bridesmaids the same. They may have been in the same place, but there's real significant differences between the two groups. And I know which group we're in. We're the wise ones. 
But the foolish ones had the structure. They had a lamp, but they had nothing to light it with. They didn't take any oil with them. It's not like they brought a little bit of oil and they ran out. They didn't take oil with them. Why would you do that? Why would you have a role to play in a wedding and not take the necessary thing to do that role? But it's almost as though they had the structures, they had the the organizations in place, but there was no anointing in it, there was no oil in it, there was nothing fresh in it. They weren't ready for action because readiness is not about religion. Readiness is not a religiousness. (laughs) Readiness is about the life of the Spirit. The Spirit will keep you ready for the fulfillment of God's word. The foolish ones tried to shortcut. They tried to rely on other people. They said, can we borrow some oil from you? Can we buy some oil off you? Because you've clearly got some. But they weren't able to. They weren't able to buy off other people. This was something they had to have themselves. They couldn't rely on the other person's supply. They had to have it within themselves. And that's true of salvation. You can't buy salvation off someone else. You have to believe that Jesus is the Lord for yourself. But it's true of being ready for the fulfillment of his word, I believe. That we ourselves have to make ourselves ready, have to keep ourselves awake, keep ourselves alert, stay dressed, keep our lamps burning, have oil. You you won't be able to buy it from someone else when the fulfillment comes. If we're not ready, we're not ready. Because readiness isn't relying on other people's supply. And isn't it interesting that all of them slept? The foolish and the wise, they all went to sleep. Because Jesus doesn't say that sleep is wrong, he doesn't say that rest is wrong. Because readiness isn't restlessness. It's not just activity. It's not just fury. It's not just getting yourself worked up. It's not restlessness. They were all able to sleep, but some of them slept with oil next to their beds. Some of them were ready even as they slept. Because tiredness isn't a sin so long as you're in the will of God. And so long as you do what Jesus did and sit down by a well and draw water. But it was at midnight that the cry came. At midnight, the cry came. The bridegroom's here. Are you ready? And five of them were ready. And I think um, it's interesting at midnight, isn't it? Almost like just as they drifted into deep sleep, REM sleep, I don't know what it is. Um, the sleep cycle was just at its best moment, and then the cry came, the bridegroom's here. It's almost like they had just landed on the airstrip in Barbados for the holiday, and then suddenly the cry came, the fulfillment is here. The fulfillment is here. Are you ready? It's almost like they just pressed on for the Premier League opening weekend, big game, And then suddenly the fulfillment was here. And isn't it like that sometimes? That yes, we're at rest. And then suddenly God says, are you ready now? Because I'm going to do things that will take your breath away. I'm going to fulfill the desires of your heart. And have you made yourself ready? Because readiness isn't religion. It's not relying on other people. It's not restlessness. But it's being full of the Spirit. It's having a personal history with God. So that you're not relying on other people's experiences or other people's understandings, but it's having a personal history with God for yourself. And it's being at rest and at peace in God because he loves you. So God is calling us to a time of preparedness, a time of readiness, because he's going to fulfill his word. It's inevitable. It's inevitable. And I believe that he wants us to be so responsive to his word, so alert to his word, so ready to respond that he's able to fulfill in us all the things that he's promised us. Because he will do it. I was driving to Bible Week um, with Theodore asleep in the back. It's a beautiful time. And Renee was asleep in the back as well. So I'm thinking, okay, well, 
I'm here, I'll just have a chat to myself or listen to the radio or pray or think about um, what we're going to do at Bible Week or just have some no-thinking time, all that sort of stuff. Just driving along, driving along. Three carriages on the motorway thinking, this is lovely, middle of the road. I know that's bad. I should be in the left-hand lane. Um, But then suddenly, out of the corner of my eye was one of those signs, those square signs with the four little lights on either side. And normally it says, tiredness can kill. I don't know if you've seen that one. Tiredness can kill. Or it says, don't drink and drive. Or it says, take a break. Or it says, distance to junction nine. 25 minutes or something like that. You think, I'm just driving along thinking, yeah, I know what the signs say. I know what the signs say. And then suddenly there was one that just caught my eye. And I looked at it and it said, oncoming vehicle, 20 miles an hour with two warning signs underneath it. I'd never seen a sign with two warning signs before. Oncoming vehicle, 20 miles an hour, two warning signs. And um, I don't know, but my adrenaline really got going then. So you know, oh my goodness, this is serious. This is serious. There's an oncoming vehicle. So I quickly, quick as you can, into the slow lane, thinking slow is safe. Slow lane. (laughs) Here I am. Slow lane. 20 mile an hour, bang on, if not just a little bit less. 18, 19 mile an hour, thinking that's safer. I turn all my lights on, hazard lights, headlights, fog lights even. I didn't had to try and find them. Where are my fog lights? Quickly turn them on so that I'm visible, so that people can see me. Because if there's an oncoming vehicle, this is serious. I've got to be out the way. I've got my newborn son. I've got my wife. I've got to protect them. I've got to be the man slow lane, you know? It was serious. This was something had happened that caught my attention. Um, and I'm, and I'm, I'm there gripping the wheel, white knuckles. No more coffee for me. I've got the adrenaline. I'm going. And I realized then that it wasn't just me. Every other car on the motorway did exactly the same thing. Every other car was in the slow lane. I've never seen it before. Single file in the slow lane. All the other lanes were empty. It wasn't like roadworks. Single file in the slow lane, 20 miles an hour, bang on. No one was thinking, this is my chance. I'll take a shortcut. I'll overtake everyone. I'll be on open road. Because there was an oncoming vehicle. That's what the sign told us. Oncoming vehicle, 20 miles an hour. Warning, warning. And so everyone, it was like a corporate response. It's like unity together. We were dwelling in unity in the slow lane. And we're probably two miles. It was, a, it was a good long stretch where these signs kept on coming on. They didn't change. There wasn't a moment to say, okay, up to 50 now, back down to 20. It was just constant. Now, the analogy falls down because we never saw the oncoming vehicle, which is really annoying because <laughs> um, it would have been like the police chase moment, you know, like, there they go. But it didn't happen. But that's where the analogy falls down because God has put a signpost up that is his word and there is an inevitable fulfillment. But I'm talking about what happens in the gap. And there was on that motorway a unity of response. There was an immediacy of response to his word. It was almost like not only did we respond to the 20 mile an hour thing, we were doing other things to try and get ready, to be ready. And I do think there's a sense in which we can be that alert to the word of God, that when he speaks, we can say, Lord, let there be an immediate response in my heart. Let me get in the right place at the right speed and know the right time that you're going to answer and respond to that word. God is calling us into a state of preparedness. And the question is, what if we responded that way to God's word every time he spoke? Every time he spoke, if we responded that way. Oh, Lord, let us be that people. Let us be so in a state of preparedness, in a state of readiness and alertness to your word, that we'd have oil in our lamps, that would be there ready to go at the right time, that when he speaks, we would respond. Because God does put up signposts in our life of his word. As we're driving along in life, he puts up signposts and their directions. 
They're signposts for us. They're not just little bits of advice along the way. Tiredness can kill. And you think, oh, I'm not really that tired. It's the end of Bible week. Yeah, I'm driving home. A little bit of bags under my eyes thinking, I've had two coffees. Surely that's enough. I'll be fine. Honestly, tiredness can kill, but I'm not that tired. God's signs aren't like that. God's signs aren't just little bits of advice. Take a break. It'll be fun, you know. But it's, it's warning signs sometimes. Good things and, and things to avoid. But it's, it's a signpost from God. And we're to respond to it, aren't we? Because we believe God who said it and we've received the word and we're allowing it to be conceived within us. We've taken it on board. The word has become flesh in us just like it became flesh in Jesus. And it's going to be born. It's going to be birthed. So um, some examples for you. For some of us, a state of readiness means are you ready for your husband or wife to walk through the door? Is your life in the right place? Is your life in order? Are you, have you been in a state of readiness? Have you got oil in your lamp for your fulfillment to walk through the door? You know, fulfillment isn't in your wife or your husband in that way, but the fulfillment of the word. Do you know what I mean? Are you ready for that job advert, the job that God promised you to appear on a website tomorrow morning? Have you got your CV ready? Have you got, your, have you got yourself ready? Have you got a good reputation so that you can get that job? I'm not talking about inducing the word of God. I'm not talking about trying to make God's word happen. It's going to happen. It's a question of where are we at? Are you ready for that phone call from the brother that you've been praying for and praying for that they'd come back to the Lord? Are you ready to share the gospel? Have you got, have you got it? Are you ready to speak to him? Are you ready to share the word of the Lord with them? Because when the phone call comes, that isn't the time to run and get oil. It's a state of preparedness that God's calling us to. Preparedness will cause us to be ready. It will cause us to be alert and to know that there is an inevitable process that's begun, that God spoke something and he's going to fulfill it. It's inevitable. Whether we're at work at our desk or on the beach in Barbados, the word could come, the cry could come, the bridegroom's here, the fulfillment's here. You ready? And the answer would be, yeah, I'm ready. I've got my lamp, I've got my oil. I'm here. I'm not relying on other people's history with God. I've, I've got it. By being a person who responds in that way to God's word, who's alert, who's quick to respond, will be a people of the future and the now. Because I think if you take the word of God and you put it off into your future and you say, God will fulfill that in my future, then you keep walking, you'll find it in your past. You'll find that you've walked past the fulfillment sometimes. That God did it and we didn't notice it. But if we're a people of readiness, if we take his word into the present, we'll be living the future right now. We'll be living his kingdom right now. And God says, I want you to know that the word of the Lord is going to be fulfilled in you. You're coming into a season where God's promises to you will bear fruit. God is calling us to be in readiness, in preparedness for that moment, so that as a result, we would not miss what he's doing and therefore that he would receive glory from it. I read it again. I want you to know that the word of the Lord is going to be fulfilled in you. You are coming into a season where God's promises to you will bear fruit. God is calling us to be in readiness, in preparedness for that moment, so that as a result, we would not miss what he's doing and therefore that he would receive glory from it. Specifically for some of us, as I've been speaking about this, a specific promise has come to your mind, very specific word that God spoke to you. And my, um, my call to you, my advice in being in a state of readiness is simply do what he says. I'm not going to try and prescribe a response for those specific words because God will have given you the response. He'll have given you the readiness that you need to enter into. So for those who've got that specific thing that you think, 
as we've been talking about the promises of God, as we've been talking about the inevitable process and the fulfillment, you just do what God's told you to do. I'll happily throw you back on the Lord. You just say to the Holy Spirit, what is it I need to do to be ready, to be prepared? But for all of us, there are some specific things as well that I think we can do and that will um, promote in us a state of readiness. And they're very simple things um, found in Hebrews 12, verse 12. I've talked about some things already, I suppose, about not being in a state of restlessness, uh, about continually being filled with the Holy Spirit because he's the oil that keeps us ready about not trying to rely on other people's history with God, but learning to develop our own personal history with God. About believing the God who said the word and about receiving power in the word and about allowing the word to be conceived within us, about having good soil, all those things apply. But then in Hebrews 12, 12, the Holy Spirit was just highlighting this verse to me for us. It says, Therefore lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet. I love that, that little triad. Lift your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, and make straight paths for your feet. And I believe very simply that the Lord would say, let's have lifted hands in worship. Worship will cause in us a state of readiness. Worship will cause in us a state of preparedness. It will soften your heart toward his word so that when he says, today if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart, you'll automatically have a soft heart if you're in lifted hands worshiping the Lord. So he is calling us to be a people of worship who fix our eyes on Jesus as the goal of our life. He's the fulfillment of his word. That praise would always be on our lips. That thanksgiving and gratefulness and thankfulness would be on our lips. That glorifying God would be present in our hearts and in our words. That our focus would always be in the direction of Jesus. He's the hope that, sets, that is set before us. And as we do that, that we'd find that our hearts are being made ready for fulfillment all the time. That as we just lift our hands, that we don't allow them to droop but as we just lift our hands to the Lord in worship, he would be preparing in us a state of readiness. Secondly, strengthening knees. And for me, that, that speaks of walking. So we've got worship and we've got walking. And I do believe that God wants us to start walking with strong steps again in his word, to take strong steps in his word, that fear would be removed, that intimidation would be removed, that doubt would be removed, that we'd know that because God has spoken, it is inevitably going to happen. And so we can take strong strides into that word, that we can put our feet on it. It says uh, in the armor of God that we should strap around our feet the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. There's that word again, the readiness that comes. There is readiness to put around our feet. And that involves walking, that involves steps. And I, I don't think you can be ready if you're static. I don't think Noah was static. I don't think Abraham was static. I don't think Sarah was static. I think they were moving on the word. They were walking out the word. And God says that he wants to strengthen our weak knees so that we can walk again with strong steps, not in timidity because he hasn't given us a spirit of timidity, yes. not in fear because perfect love casts out fear and he's told us he loves us. That as we continue to walk, that itself will be making us ready. That itself, that movement, that, that walking into the word of God, that saying, I'm going to put feet on the ground in this. I'm going to do what you've said. That will be preparing your heart for the fulfillment. And finally, making straight paths for your feet. And this is just simply a call back to the word of God. Just as was shared earlier on in the meeting about the word being a light to our feet and a lamp to our path or a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, whichever way around it is. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. 
And he wants to make straight paths for your feet. In fact, he's made a straight path for your feet. It is the promise being fulfilled. It's that inevitable process. It's a straight path for your feet. And as we have lifted hands and strong knees to walk down that path, he wants his word to be a light to it. He wants his word to be the light, the lamp that shines on that path so we know where to go, so we know what to do. And that is specific. That is the specific promises, but it's also his word. And I do believe there's a call back to his word, a call to read his word again, a call to remind ourselves of what he's said, a call, yes, to go back to the notes that you've made of the word that God spoke to you or to the iPhone recordings that you made of when God spoke. Yes, go back to those and also go back to his word. It will be a straight path for your feet and it will prepare in us a state of readiness, a a state of preparedness to see the fulfillment happen in our generation because we're a people who've made ourselves ready. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to give us a chance to go home and lift our hands in worship, to go home and to walk with strong steps, to go home and to go back to his word. Okay, so if you'd like to just bow your head for a moment. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your word. We thank you that when you promise, there is an inevitable process that's begun and it will end in the fulfillment of what you've said. You watch over your word to perform it. It will not return to you void. And we as a people, Lord, have heard your word to be in a state of preparedness and a state of readiness. And we say from our hearts, we will be ready. We will be full of your spirit. We will be full of preparedness. Lord, we won't be restless in it, but we'll allow the word that you've sown into our hearts to be developed and born so that it would bear fruit. And Lord Jesus, as we go from this place, I pray that where hands have drooped in worship, they would be lifted high again. Where knees have become weak through fear or timidity or anything else, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen those knees to walk with strong steps again in the light of your word. And Lord, that your word would continually be a light to our path and that we would give attention to it and remember it and call it to mind, knowing that it will be that light that gives us direction. Lord, we love you and we love that you love us. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we thank you that you're showing us things that take our breath away. Lord, in our day, let it be a season of fulfilled promises. You've called us to come into a season of fulfillment and we say, Lord, we are in readiness for it. In your wonderful name, amen.